Welcome to Thoughts from the Tinkerage. I was in a conversation with some other makers last weekend and it turned to the idea of expertise and this is something I've, I've thought about a lot over the years. I can actually trace some of it back to an incident while climbing with scouts over 30 years ago. And I think from that from that incident onwards, I've always been very wary of experts. I think more so about people who claim to be experts. The definition of an expert is just somebody that's very knowledgeable about a particular thing or very skillful at a particular thing. I wouldn't want to take my car to get its brakes fixed by a garage where there is a certain level of expertise. I wouldn't want to go to the doctor with out some confidence in their expertise to diagnose me or not necessarily to come to the full diagnosis, but to be able to direct me to somebody with more expertise. So it's a, it, it's a tricky phrase, but I've, I've been in a number of circumstances where there have been people who say and claim that they're an expert and therefore that everything that they say is almost the, the word of law on the topic or the idea or the skill. There's so many times it's been the case that Actually, no, they, they just have one way of doing something. And I fear that people who claim to be experts miss out on that very important idea of, well, there's always more things to learn. There may be more ways of doing something. Another phrase that often comes up, this phrase that I've used for many years to describe myself is a jack of all trades. I quite like the the term expression that people like Adam Savage use of being a, a serial collector of skills. It's, it's a phrase that only did really came across in the last year or so, but I think it certainly describes my approach to life. Being specialised can be immensely important. Having extreme knowledge about one particular thing is, is obviously something that we, we need in this world. We're still facing the global COVID-19 novel virus pandemic. There are teams of people around the world who are applying their expertise, their extreme expertise in the subject of epidemiology, virus transmission, virus testing, antibody testing, looking for vaccines, looking for analysis of how, when, where, why virus transmits, 
And in this world, we need people like that. We need experts in aircraft design if we're going to travel safely. Now, I think this is a topic where I could go off in many tangents. There seems to be a growing sense of people not thinking expertise, particularly in science, is important. There seems to be a growing, I'm not sure if it's support. I'm not sure if it's, it, it's just a kind of, that they're shouting louder, that people like flat earthers. And as a, a physicist, as a science teacher, many years, yeah, that's a very frustrating trend. We're seeing the same thing with attitudes towards vaccinations. Virus control, you know, simple things like wearing masks. But I don't want to get political. I don't, I don't want to go down that line. Not, not today. But I just want to talk about that. The idea that expertise, fantastic thing. Not being an expert, fantastic thing. There's over 7 billion people on this planet and I think that's more than enough for us to have a good supply of experts in many areas and a good supply of generalists. I think, I think the idea of a jack of all trades, let's just pick back on that phrase for a moment. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's the, that's the phrase that many people have heard and many people use. Often used to describe people perhaps who are, are very generalists. Sometimes used in a, a derogatory manner to indicate people that perhaps they know a little about a lot. That's a phrase I use for myself as well. I, I like to, I should have pride myself, but I, I do like to pride myself on knowing a little bit about a lot of things. Sometimes it's very useful. Sometimes it's not. Uh, pub quizzes, haven't been to one for many, many years. I think the last one was, I think, well, before I got married, so over 20 years ago. And in a pub quiz, yeah, knowing a little bit about a lot can be really advantageous if the questions are about things that you know a little bit about. I've been in pub quizzes where actually I didn't have a clue because the little I know about the lot wasn't the little that they were asking questions on. On that note, I also have prided myself since since being in school um, on the idea of it's not necessarily knowing something, it's knowing how to find out something. That was actually an idea I, I got from a a late school friend of mine, he died a couple of years ago, and he said something in school once about intelligence being about knowing how to find something. I really clicked on that, and it stuck with me kind of forever. Not always very useful in exams, though, when you kind of know where to find something but can't remember it. Now, going back to Jack of all trades. The problem with the jack of all trades, master of none, is that that phrase is incomplete. The entire expression is jack of all trades, master of none, though oftentimes better than master of one. Now that is a much more positive expression. It's that idea that actually many, many times we want people, need people 
that have more than one skill. And we see that often in science, whether that's things like biochemistry, vaccine research, epidemiology, astronomy, physics of many sorts, chemistry, where teams of people often consisting of a variety of skills, a variety of backgrounds often make the most progress. Have too many people with all the same background, all the same thoughts, and progress is often a miss. On that note, there's a very good book called, if I remember correctly, Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed. Uh, I really recommend his books, Black Box Thinking being another one. He's got another book, which I can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, but that talks about, for example, the, the role of the same type of recruitment of the same type of people in organizations, such as the FBI and the CIA in America led to some major incidents that perhaps shouldn't have happened, could have been prevented. A uh, good recommendation there. Uh, I like the fact that I have in here in the Tinkerage, those watching on video, you can see I'm sat here in the Tinkerage, and I have a huge variety of tools of all sorts. I've got electronics, I've got woodworking, I've got metalworking tools, work with plastics, all sorts of DIY things, box of plumbing tools by my feet, angle grinders just underneath me. It's, there's just all sorts of things. And I know that I could save, I could have much more room in here be able to do bigger projects if I got rid of one or more of those aspects. That wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be able to tinker. I sometimes see people's sheds and they have just a lathe and a bandsaw and a dust extraction system, or they have just woodworking tools. And they often have good amounts of space. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm jealous of anyone that's got more space than me. It's I'd love to have more space. It's not something I have the facility for uh, physically or monetarily. But I like the fact that I'm not specialised. I sometimes regret, although regret's a tricky word, again, another topic to talk about at some point, specialising in physics. Although, being said that, I took a physics degree, but I didn't really specialise. Although I suppose I, I tended towards materials. So maybe I should have done material science. Would that have been more specialisation or would it have kept my options open? I think keeping my options open has always been a game plan. Was it the best game plan? I don't know. It's not an analysis I aim to do here. But I would encourage people to, to try to pick up different skills. Uh, Charlie Delta 29 Cliff on Instagram, he in his bio has the phrase, specialization is for insects. I, I, kind of, I like that because it, it fits me. But I know of plenty of makers that I see on Instagram and YouTube who are very specialized. 
and I like having those people around. I like the fact that I can go and access information that they have put out that I don't have. And the reason they have it is because they're specialized. They've become experts. So we need both. I think sometimes with just experts and specialists, maybe not enough growth happens. With people who are jacks of all trades, maybe just not enough depth happens. So, like everything in this world, just, yeah, when we work together in our different ways, we become greater than the sum of our parts. So should you specialise? Should you become a jack of all trades? Trades. That decision is up to you. I can't make that decision for you. Of course, it's it's possible to specialise in more than one thing. I've met a few people like that. They seem to be able to do you know, a week's worth in work. A week's worth. Getting tongue tied. They seem to be able to do a week's work in just a day. So many different things. That's okay. That's that's them. I did. I wrote something a long time ago. I have a a little black folder, a little black, little black book, and it doesn't contain names and addresses of conquests. So I've I've never been that person. But I I started it a long long time ago, again in my teens. And it contains quotes and it contains recipes. That's the kind of the most part. Uh, and lots of lots of blank pages because I, I never really filled it. And I wrote after that incident, it was a climbing incident. I'll, I'll give you a brief background. There was a, a couple of a couple of kind of uh, university aged climbers. Uh, we helped out our old scout groups with a, a climbing day. It was organised by a variety of groups and there was kind of an expert climber who's one of the leaders who was in charge for the day. And he there was a there was a little bit of incident. No one got hurt, but it, it was it was a close shave. A sling, a hand tied homemade sling became undone. Now, this person tried to blame the expert, tried to blame us, these kind of young, not overly experienced, but you know, not inexperienced uh, university age guys on this thing coming undone. Now, I personally, I've, a few times in, in climbing, particularly with kind of other people who claim to be older, not claim to be older, are older, claim to be more experienced, more expert. I've had a few kind of discussions, arguments with people like that. He tried to blame us. And yeah, I, I wasn't going to have that because hand-tied slings will come undone. It, it, it's it's not a difficult fact to know. You don't have to have been climbing for 30 years to know that. You know, it, if you read just a book on 
how to start climbing with basic equipment and it might talk about making your own sling so you can have different lengths and teach you how to tie a tape knot tape knots are not secure tape knots should be uh, tied they should be neat and uh, addressed is the phrase that's often used in kind of knot tying and they should be checked regularly ideally the, the loose ends should be secured in place with some tape it's quite a common practice again you still need to check you need to sort of tension them but if you tape the ends they're not going to come undone to the point where they could cause failure not sort of during use not if you check them regularly now uh, yeah i argued the point and i i got very frustrated by that i, I basically after that incident refused to be involved in kind of helping out again and I, I look back and kind of feel a little bit guilty about that but yeah I'm, I'm not going to be somebody else's scapegoat for their lack of knowledge even if they are experienced i i, I wrote the following my little book it's loads of quotes it's from other people interesting little ideas and i'll be pulling some of these out i have already uh, i think but i'll be pulling some of these out and talking about some of them uh, just dipping them in to some of these podcasts but i wrote this just after that incident i think it's when i kind of returned back to university and it, it was just four little points and it, it kind of the whole incident bugged me on the sort of train journey back to university after the kind of sort of weekend back at home helping out with the scout group. And here they go. Confidence is no indication of competence. I, I, I just want to pick that a little bit. You know, sometimes the most competent people lack confidence and struggle to maybe show their competence because of that it's really common it's so so common thing i've seen it so many times and sometimes people have to overcome that by pretending to be confident acting it and with time confidence actually goes with the competence but i imagine that most people listening to this will have also seen where people are confident, but actually they don't have a clue. Second one, age is no indication of experience. That's an interesting one. Sometimes as I kind of be an old guy, um, I'm often kind of expected to, to know a certain amount of things. Or to know, have experience of certain things, but not always. And I've met young people, people in their, yeah, maybe in their early, late teens, early 20s, who have been doing something, maybe driving, maybe motorbike riding, making of some sort, programming computers, for, and have a huge amount of experience. Third one, experience is no indication of ability. You don't practice properly, you won't make improvements. You may have been doing something for a long time, but if you've had a closed mindset, not willing to learn, 
you may not actually be particularly good at something. So picking on that point, uh, within education circles, there was a, a book released, and it, it kind of made popular psychology circles as well, called Grit by Carol Dweck. Uh, she talked about growth mindset. Now, I, I can, I'm going to talk about that definitely at some other time. But the idea of our, our mindset is not fixed. We can change how we do things. We can improve. We can grow. It's an important idea. And I would recommend people to can always consider that. Don't call yourself an expert. Keep learning. Keep finding out more. There will always be more to learn about anything. And the last point, qualifications are no indication of intelligence. Now, that's what I'm kind of the most icky about. I'm not overly happy with that now. And maybe at some point I'll go back and address these four. But that's what I wrote over 30 years ago. Now, there is a point with that qualifications. You can train people to pass exams. And some people who are very intelligent struggle with exams. So qualifications aren't necessarily an indication of intelligence. It kind of counts, like thinking of that in a, a slightly different way. I have met some of the most amazingly intelligent people who left school with no qualifications. It's again, I think I could, I could make a whole podcast, a long podcast, just about that, that last point. But again, sometimes you know, people with a qualification might come over as, well, I have the qualification, therefore I know most about this. Just an example of that, I was listening to. Um, a podcast called Ologies. It's it's a really interesting podcast. I don't listen to every episode, but it, it deep dives into a topic. I, the episode I was listening to this week, which I think is a few weeks old, was all about archaeology. Uh, what, what was the phrase? Um, it's like practical archaeology. It's the idea of kind of people who, right, we want to know more about flint axes so we'll make flint axes and now we'll take these flint axes and we'll use them to bash up bone we'll use them to bash against other stones we'll use them to bash against wood and we'll see the markings on the wood we'll see the markings on the uh, bone and we'll see the effects of the bone and the wood on the axes and, and we can then therefore use that to get a better idea of the found archaeology and how that's worked experimental archaeology i think that might be the phrase and the young man who has been interviewed about this was talking a, a lot about atlatls. Now, he was being interviewed because he's recognised as being very knowledgeable, and essentially an expert, to use that phrase. It's a difficult phrase not to use when you're talking about people knowing a lot about something. It's definition of atlatls and, and how they're used. Yet he's still actually an undergraduate of experimental archaeology. So he hasn't yet really got a qualification in it, yet he's seen as an expert. So, yeah, there's things like that. 
So a bit of a waffle. Uh, I'm not going to edit this. Uh, it's 24 minutes in. I've, I'm going to kind of wind up. I'm not going to do much editing on the podcast. It's more important. I'm already a day late, kind of a Tuesday schedule release, which I've, I've kind of tried to aim for. It's been a busy week. School starts again this week. Uh, so home education, people going into school as well. So it's busy, busy week, busy, busy time. And lots of things to think about. You can obviously find me, I didn't do this last time, and I probably won't do it every time, but just a bit of a reminder, you can find me on various outlets uh, on YouTube when I do get videos up, which has been for, not for a while, I do have some in edit on Tales of the Tinkerage. I'm um, also Andy C. Pugh on, or just Andy Pugh, I don't know, on YouTube. So I tend to subscribe from Andy Pugh. Uh, Andy C. Pugh on Twitter and Instagram, I think. I can't remember my own socials, but type in Andy Pugh, Tales from Tinkerage, you'll probably find me, and there tends to be links to everything. So just, just go search that. So thank you for listening, and hopefully get another episode out next week. Oh, by the way, if you haven't already switched off, been thinking about getting some guests on. Not sure when to do it. Uh, I'm not quite ready. I think I need... This is episode 15, and I think probably at least another five before I'm even going to think about doing it. I know who I want for my first two guests. One's been on the cards for quite a long time, and the second one is somebody I'd just really like to talk to, kind of get a bit of a deep down conversation with. So I've already got that in line. Uh, There are people you'd like me to hear me talk to from the maker community, who might be prepared to talk to me, of course. I'm sure there are plenty of people in the maker community uh, kind of who don't have a clue where I am and probably wouldn't agree to talk to me. Um, you know, I can't imagine Adam Savage finding time to talk to me or Bob Claggett, but who knows? Well, I've had a chat with Bob Claggett at Maker Central, so he might. I don't know. But if there are people you'd like me to talk to, um, then message me somehow. You know, not that difficult to find. Instagram's a good place to find me. Talk to me at Ingridge. Uh, yeah, I don't know quite how to do it yet. There's obviously the sort of the mechanism of it. Do I do it through Skype or Zoom or StreamYard? So uh, I I will I will investigate and hopefully uh, maybe episode twenty twenty five. It's not something I want to do. I don't want to be a guest podcast. Well, I do want to be a podcast that occasionally has guests. So I'm not sure of the schedule. You know, for 10 episodes, every five episodes, uh, little groups, you know, two or three episodes in a row and then nothing for a while. I, I don't know. If you've got thoughts on it, then let me know. Anyway, I'm going to go and get this uploaded and speak to you all soon. Bye for now.